Good evening, everybody. This is Matthew from Don't Unfriend Me, and this is episode 79. I came on late last night and had a brief, well, not brief, it was a couple-hour conversation with everybody, and I really wanted to dive into censorship and a few of the things that were concerning, and it's just getting more and more concerning today as there is a pattern emerging here that just continues to have me reflect on historical writings, American history, world history, and censorship is usually usually a prelude to something more sinister and something dastardly that we can't fathom. And it doesn't make much sense. And I remember a story that a good friend of mine told me, and I guess a good friend isn't the word, great-grandmother is probably a, a, a closer account. And I figured I would tell it to you today. I don't have a joke for the fourth day in a row, and I'm usually not on on Sundays, but once in a while, I have a buggery to sit down with pen and paper and write. And it is one of those days. And I figure I would recant the story to the best of my ability, although not with without a lack of grace and elegance that my grandmother had, but still I will do my best. I would encourage everyone to listen as it is a a fantastic tale and it has a little bit of everything. So please stay tuned, hang tight, and uh, we will get started right now. January 10th, episode 7-9. This is Don't Unfriend Me. Some of you have been here before, and you are now dummies, and thank you. And those who are arriving today, you are also dummies. You can reach out to me on Facebook at Don't Unfriend Me Host. That's where most of my videos and communication start, begin, and end. But I also have some uh, other things on YouTube, some high-definition videos in most of my catalog. And if that doesn't quench your appetite, you can also go to don'tunfriendme.com as well. All three are completely acceptable and would love to have you. And while you are there, if you would do me a favor, is please like, share, and subscribe. You can also reach me at all these social sites down below. Who am I? Well, my name is Matthew Spear, I'm your host. I'm going to walk you through it today. It's about 30 minutes, and I have another show that's five for fighting that lasts about five. But today we are going to do a fairly quick, I would say. Well, depends how much I I ad lib. I usually ad lib quite a bit. But let's get started with this story. The story is about alphas and betas. And I'm going to read because I think it's important to do so. And very rarely do I do voiceover work or read. I usually throw from the hip, but this was all written in the last 25 minutes and it's not really editorialized or proof read. So I apologize if it's inarticulate at some moments. I want to tell you a story that I learned of as a small child sitting in Hemet, California with my grandmother eating a tuna casserole. The time and place are not really important, but let's say it is a dystopian future on a planet outside of our universe. The story begins with a group of people known as the Betas. The Betas are a class of people who have been fleeing persecution and oppression for most of their existence, cast out and hunted for their beliefs and way of life, a nomadic people. 
carrying a burden castigated onto them by foreign entities who disagreed with their beliefs and who they were. However, over centuries, the Betas find a home in the East, a place where they play a major role in politics and diplomacy and their history, and their position is elevated in their economic, financial, and cultural affairs. They rose to a level none before any of them thought possible, and their wealth became one of envy and of historic magnitude. However, the Alphas were also natives to this land and felt betrayed by the Betas, and after a long war with rival foreign countries, they decided that the Betas were to blame for their downfall. It started with a paramilitary corps named the Irregulars. This group was composed of militia under the guise of anti-racism and anti-beta, anti-beta beliefs. However, due to a prosperous exit from war, the anti-beta movement was losing ground and did not take hold yet. However, after an economic event that shook the planet, the militarized civilians who claimed the betas were to blame rose up and instilled virulent strains of vitriol that reached new heights. The betas were left with only a few choices to adapt to the alpha culture. They could assimilate into the liberalism culture that was a predominant trait of the alphas. They could embrace their own beliefs and stand fast with an unpopular sect and religion that had chased them through the generations by their neighbors. They could absolve their beliefs and follow a new focus and an anti-theology and anti-religion stance. Or they could adopt the nationalistic leanings of the land and forego all religion and remain loyal only to the state. And with that, the Betas separated into several different groups, and some remained, and the others left, and their identity was left behind. Some fled to other lands, and some stayed. Some groups prospered and some were chased from the land, as I said earlier, but the ones that stayed saw a rise to prosperity in educational institutions, law, and economics. However, once the conflict amongst the four groups lessened, the remaining groups that assimilated became the target. After a period of time, there became an element inside the Alpha group that began to look for people to blame. Blame for their loss in battle, the lack of money for all, the lack of portions of the proverbial pie that escaped their plates. The betas became the scapegoat. It began with words on pamphlets casting blame on the betas, vitriolic statements of hatred and stereotyping. The masses began to stop frequenting establishments owned by betas. Local constables began harassing betas, and upscale businesses left the area. This caused a downpour of economic impact and slum-like atmosphere. The alphas began physically attacking businesses and through fare. Homes were set ablaze and feces was thrown at betas when going to market or to school. Outside pressure from the rest of the planet mattered not, and the alphas stiffened their resolve that slaked their lust for power. A law known as the Alpha Paragraph was written. It stricken all betas from serving in public office. Their places of worship were fired. Their words were slapped from their lips. Their silence was deafening. And over time, the once great betas were downcast into starvation and without the means to provide for themselves or their families. A particular alpha rose to power and adopted anti-beta leanings. 
calling for the eradication of the betas from alpha society. Some alphas resisted this. They believed that betas were also a part of society and deserved leniency and compassion. They were also classed as traitors to the alphas and their philosophy. And they were to have the same fate as the betas. Over time, people began to go along. And with the anti-beta philosophy, from belief, from fear, and from acceptance that it wasn't them, they tolerated the alpha's behavior. Betas were then subjugated to trials to identify their lineage and if it delineated from the alpha heritage. Marriages were annulled and citizens who married betas were also deemed enemies to the state. Even the children were deemed to be unclean and cast out from society. Purity laws were put into place. The leader of the Alphas betrayed his own bloodline, which wasn't pure Alpha. But with the movement in full swing, nobody dared question the power of the Alpha society, or they too would find a similar sticky fate. The media was controlled by the Alphas, the entertainment industry, the writers, the poets, and they took over the educational communities, replacing Betas with Alpha sympathizers and propagandists. Another law was passed known as the Law of Protection for Alpha Blood and Honor. At that point, betas were prevented from all jobs worth influence and prosperity. Menial jobs were all that remained. After the Day of Short Swords, a splinter group of the Alpha rose up and took over the military and government. The first rule of the new AA regime places markers on beta passports and changed their names to signify their beta heritage. All names were instant monikers that identified their lineage. On the eve of winter, the day of the broken shards, something happened. All beta businesses were smashed and pilfered. Betas were drugged from their homes and beaten. All doctors, lawyers, and bakers could only be alpha and assist alpha customers. Schools were boarded up and only alphas could attend alpha schools. Betas had separate schools they could attend, but only could be taught by alpha government educators. Books were burned. Libraries and gatherings were banned from all. Letters and communication outside of the country were outlawed by the alphas, and betas escaped where they could. 250,000 betas fled their homeland into a new faraway land. For the remaining, it was too late. A new flag and banner was raised, and a sacred Hindu symbol was defiled and replaced by the Alpha regime's new symbol of hate. Overall, of the 522,000 Jewish people living in Germany, in January 1933, approximately 304,000 immigrated during the first six years of Nazi rule, and about 214,000 were left on the eve of World War II. Of those, 160,000 to 180,000 were killed on the first eve as part of the Holocaust. In all, 11 million Jews and Jew sympathizers were murdered, raped, burned alive, starved, stripped naked, gassed, shaved, tattooed, and eradicated from the earth. On May 19, 1943, only about 20,000 Jews remained, and Germany was declared Juderein, 
clean of Jews and free of Jews. On the eve of losing our ability to communicate, on the eve of the president, no matter his sins, being silenced, where Republicans are being blamed for things that are happening that are not more than their fault than anything else that has happened in the last four years. If we were naive in voting for President Trump, then that is one of our only sins. And I know many of us have regrets for any president that we have voted for because of their inequities or indiscretions. But the tale that I tell you is actually fact, as we all know now. And it's more real than you've ever believed because the history is repeating itself and nobody remembers. Nobody knows. And nobody is putting the pieces together. Tonight, I ask you to reflect. I ask you to think about what's happening in our country and ask yourself, are you an alpha or are you a beta? And which side will you fall on? when one group is trying to silence another, and when all people are being lumped in with one group. What flag will you follow? And how will our story end? Thanks for watching Don't Unfriend Me, everybody. I want to recommend Alex from Aleko's Design. He works on all of my video and graphic design, and he is amazing. Please give him a shot. Please head on over to his website at www.alekosdesigns.com. And one more quick thing before we go, folks. Still Point does the music intro for the show. They are listeners. They are fans, and we absolutely love them. Special thanks for that amazing song. And you can hear Citizen Soldier at ReverbNation.com slash Still Point.